Hello and welcome to this week's EMG Health podcast. I'm here with Nigel Guest, who's a GP and also the CEO of Trifolium Consulting. Welcome, Nigel. Thank you for having me. Thanks for your time today. Um, do you want to give us a little bit of uh, you know, a sort of 30-second background so we know who you are? And then I've got a load of questions to ask you, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, essentially, I guess I'm a GP, certainly by training. Um, but over the years, I've been involved in healthcare commissioning, uh, healthcare politics, and latterly in terms of bringing innovations into the UK. But I'm still a practicing clinician, um, but certainly interested in lots and lots of other things to do with healthcare development. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. So what, what in your roots do you think fundamentally motivated you to move into or pursue a career in healthcare in the first place? I think I was always scientifically uh, based, I suppose, as a school kid and uh, ultimately didn't want to do something which was just pure science. I wanted something which was, I suppose, application of science uh, and something that was um, had a practical basis, um, but also from doing medicine, I guess it's the, it's the ultimate privilege, isn't it, you know, yeah. to be able to be involved in people's lives. Um, uh, and to have that challenge all the time and to be able to, you know, be, a, as I say, a problem solver and, uh, and, uh, and someone that can make a difference, hopefully. Uh, or it could, of course, be the GP that we had that had an Aston Martin. <laughs> yeah, that always helps. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought so. Yes, I was completely <laughs> duped by that one. <laughs> Brilliant. And you've been based now for the best part of three decades in Trafford in Manchester, uh, which also happens to be the birthplace of the NHS. Sure. Um, from your experience, having worked there for, for such a long period of time in one place, can you talk about the evolution of the NHS in, in healthcare? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously I've been around since I qualified in about 81. I've been in Trafford for 20 of those 30 years. I was in Ellesmere Port originally and then moved. Um, but yeah, in the days of when we first started as general practitioners were the days when um, heart attacks were common, yeah. diabetic comas, strokes, uh, all those sort of things. And of course, there weren't the innovations that you had in those days in those days they thought the best way to manage somebody with a heart attack was to do it at home yeah. Um, yeah. there was no intervention and clearly that killed a lot of people probably um, but uh, it's moved on yeah. developments in pharmacology developments in diagnostics um, the ability to uh, operate data uh, the educational process it's changed beyond yeah. beyond all uh, yeah. beyond all measure um, and so it's so unusual now to see somebody with a heart attack you see strokes less frequently. You see greater results when people do have problems. Yeah. And all the innovations in cancer, I mean, breast cancer and things like that in particular, you know, you, you see people now and you don't think it's, you know, the ultimate yeah. death sentence and there's so much that can be done. And also end-of-life care. You know, the, the quality of end-of-life care now is so much better um, than it ever was. Uh, it's a much more... It's a job where you can actually do something nowadays yeah. and uh, you can be a lot more optimistic uh, and access um, you know, the skills and the technologies that are available. But that brings its own challenges, doesn't it, with yeah. a, a, an ageing population and all the, the social care issues that relate to that. So different challenges for a different era. And, and, and you know, talking about the, the sort of the ageing population, do you think that's in part due to the speed of, of change that's happening these days with the internet and things like that? Um, do you think the changes are happening faster than they used to do? Oh, good grief, yeah. I mean, it's like anything with technology. It tends yeah. to be exponential, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. And you don't always recognise it when you're on that curve. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, everything that's happened over the years I mean, and in preventive uh, medicine, you know, and yeah. changes in smoking and lifestyle and all those sort of things. I mean, we, we are... We are seeing that, that curve that's been threatened, promised yeah. for many, many years, and now we're um, on the receiving end of it, and yeah. we're not quite as prepared as we should have been. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so, yeah, that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, now. And, and, and talking about the internet and it, the, the fact it's democratising information, 
What changes have you noticed in patients and their approach to their own health in terms of, um, you know, are they accurately self-diagnosing? Are they getting too much misinformation? Sure. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're certainly using the internet. Um, and they certainly come to you with printouts and they certainly yeah. come to you with their diagnoses and their concerns. Uh, and it's interesting, my staff the other day were showing me something they said they'd buy me for Christmas, which was like um, a large poster for the wall that said, please do not conf confuse your Google search with my medical degree, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. which was, uh, yeah. illustrates it to a degree, and that sounds to a degree pompous, but they're very well informed. The difference is, is that people can't necessarily assimilate information and put it into a priority. And we're forever saying common things are common. Uh, it isn't yeah. always the last thing on the list, you know, which is invert invariably something fatal. Uh, and most things are manageable, most things are simple, uh, and most things are, um, you know, uh, are absolutely dealable within primary yeah. care. And the diagnoses that people make uh, are based on very specific information and not the broader knowledge and so two and two equals six yeah it's helpful yeah. to talk to people and i think it's it's a challenge from our point of view um and sometimes you will see something you think well hang on, i'm going to google that as well yeah, with yeah. you yeah. and uh, you think oh, okay interesting yeah. but yeah it's you have to use it you have to roll with this and it's it's a better informed population makes them more aware of their own healthcare needs and hopefully makes them change their behaviors to um, to look after themselves better yeah. but not always <laughs> yeah certainly um, and, and talking about that, we're seeing we're seeing a rise in the use of apps and diagno diagnostic apps. You know, you're talking about the poster there saying don't, don't confuse your you know, Google with my my medical degree. How do you think the role of the GP has changed, if at all, over the years? I think I think the role in terms of using technology and um, less so with diagnostic apps. I mean, with diagnostic apps, there are many of them out there which um, you know, that use effectively algorithms to help you to you know make decisions on a day to day basis in primary care. They're not used that much. They're a scoring system we, we use for various conditions. But the biggest innovation is really in terms of the, the power of our computers that sit in front of us. Yeah. So given the days when I started, way back in, God knows, 85, um, we had no computer in front of us at all. It was, you know, the old Lloyd George envelopes and you wrote in those and, yeah, and yeah. those things. Um, but now, you know, you'll bring anything up on a computer and if you're prescribing, it'll bring up the risks, the interactions, all the issues. Bottom right-hand corner of your screen is all the screen that needs doing, you know, yeah. that you're bringing in for whatever blood test or whatever. It's fantastic makes it slightly more complicated. It means that you sit in front of your computer a lot more, but it does mean that your chances of missing things yeah. or making mistakes are far fewer. Yeah. And I think that's very, very important. Um, and it's probably the greatest safety factor. Yeah. And of course, it's searchable, it's, you know, it's controlling, you can control whatever you want to do, you can send messages to patients. The communication element of it, let alone the knowledge base and the application of that, is is, is quite phenomenal. And yeah. uh, and uh, and you wonder how you ever did it without. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the good old days. Uh, well, not not, <laughs> not so sure about that. No, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so in 2016, the, the Be Clear on Cancer campaign was launched, and it triggered a huge rise in GP visits. Mm -hmm. Where do you feel lies the most opportunity for increased awareness and reform of the public health service? I think. I think the first thing to say is I think there was, a, there was a, a, a slight error made in terms of public health that it was moved towards um, councils uh, a good few years ago now and sort of moved away from CCGs uh, and therefore there was the interaction um, was less um, between healthcare commissioning uh, and public health. And I think that was, a, that was a missed opportunity to do more. But times change and the, 
I think it's the educational process yeah. and the preventative work and um, that can now be done in collaboration with public health and the population and interested groups and the private sector and the independent sector, you know, all the voluntary uh, organisations. Um, I think it's about focusing on what's important. I think it's about having consistent campaigns. I think it's about not just it's National Cancer Day for whatever, and yeah. then you forget about it and move on. It's about sustained campaigns. I mean, one of the things that uh, in, in the past that I was working at, um, at Trafford is that we were very keen to promote um, cervical um, cancer screening. And we had the rates up to probably the highest in the UK. Right. Uh, by some degree of incentivization of GPs. And yet, there are other, um, the screenings uh, for breast, for bowel cancer, um, where the screening rates are very low. And I think there are opportunities missed there to actually drive forward and um, make the public absolutely aware there are these screening things, to chase that screening, because people can not go for screening and really they're not chased. And that, that's, it's vital. I mean, you know, for all the money we spend on cancer, which is fantastic, the ability to prevent and to screen early yeah. uh, I think is very important and then once we're into the system as you say there's lots and lots of referrals and lots of two-week referrals the urgent access um, that only throws up a very small percentage of cancers through that system but what we do need is to keep doing that but to have a one-stop shop approach yeah. so it's all very well having a two-week referral and seeing someone it's all very well going through the processes but when somebody's worried you've got to get them in diagnose or not diagnose in the vast majority of cases but at least move on from that so i think it's it is very much about having a system based on that focusing i think where the where the the, the highest risk is and then providing a service which wraps around that um, to integrate with that and make sure that that works um, we know that from everything you read in the papers and whatever the thing today about coffee and it's good for your cardiovascularly yeah. as opposed to the thing we've read where coffee was good bad for bowel cancer yeah, yeah. and, like and you think it's about sharing the appropriate information and um uh, targeted information with people and keeping a consistent message i think that's it about it it's about consistency yeah. and it's about keep pushing and pushing and pushing those things that make a big difference i think that's where i'm coming at it from yeah. Okay, great. A couple of things you touched on there that I want to I want to come back to. So you you, you mentioned about the, the Trafford CCG, mm -hmm. and you also you also talked on regional regionalisation of, of, of the, the results. So so first of all, you, you were responsible, I think, for setting up the Trafford uh, CCG, and you were given about a three hundred million pound budget, I believe, for doing sure. that. Sure. What were your main goals for doing it, and and, and were they achieved? I think the reason I got into it, and, and it had quite a long build-up to that, is because I, I, I guess that I wanted to take up the opportunity that was given then to primary care to get involved with determining how the services were, were, um, were provided and see the opportunities for reform. And I think there's always a danger when you were setting up a new CCG is to carry on doing what everybody else did in PCTs and you just do the day-to-day -day work. And what we tried to do in, in Trafford in particular was to um, move forward, to innovate, yeah. um, to look at uh, integrated care, a word I keep using, but <laughs> absolutely about integrating the services that we have, um, to look at how you coordinate those services. And we, we set up a, a coordination, 15 million pound coordination centre, which actually helped to bring everything together so it wasn't all disparate. Uh, and you kept a handle on what care people had and facilitated through the system so that you didn't have duplication and wastage and cancellations and those sort of things. Yeah. But also to try and look at the redesign of primary care, to look at primary care and go, okay, we're still operating in little businesses all over yeah. the place. And um, 
and to try and look at if you were starting to have primary care from the from scratch you certainly wouldn't do it the way it's done yeah you would look at it and say okay perhaps we should reform this in a way that suits primary care but actually helps them in their day-to-day job. It provides a much better service to um, to the patients. Uh, and we drive that forward using coordination centres, using estates, changing the environment with which it's delivered. And basically, that's what, what we tried to do. Uh, and we went on to, um, through the Greater Manchester Innovation Fund, yeah. uh, to get a significant amount of funding, um, which um, was between 14 and 21 million, to completely shake up primary care. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, changes occur politically and things were moving with um, uh, collaboration with councils and that um, never fully came to fruition but I think that is the way forward yeah. and I think that um, I think if we're going to make all the changes there are and the changes that we're talking about now in terms of you know the local the, the elections and yeah. the politicians saying we're going to get X thousand GPs and nurses things like that it's about having the numbers is one thing how you use them yeah. I think is the most effective thing and I think that any any developments that occur within primary care and how that links to the excessive use of secondary care, particularly unscheduled services, I think we have an opportunity to do something exciting. Yeah. And, and I'm still involved with that elsewhere, but not directly through the CCGs. But yeah. um, it's, uh, I hope that it will still uh, come about in the future as somebody sees the light. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and just a point you to touch on you were talking about before. We, talking about in the in the uk there's a surprising amount of variation of conditions that exist from place to place mm-hmm. you, you've obviously focused on the northwest mm-hmm. um but in the north of england for example there's a higher incident rate of lung cancer but sure. above average is there enough awareness surrounding this and, and can something be done about this do you think uh, I think there wasn't, um, but I think um, one of the um, useful things that was done around, uh, certainly done around the, um, the Greater Manchester work, is to bring um, a cancer board together and to look at um, how you may focus on those things, recognising there were huge issues. And as I said before, uh, developing a focus very much on prevention, yeah. um, but very much on uh, targeted screening. And of course, if you're in an area that you you know that everybody, you know, there's a large yeah. instance of smoking, for example, yeah. or chronic obstructive airways disease, or whatever. And I think you know places like Glasgow are perfect examples, yeah. aren't yeah. they? they Realise that you know there's no the very poor diet at one point, or the instance of heart disease. But in Manchester and and the northwest, it was very much about looking at you know what what are we doing and the things I talked about before about. Yeah targeted screening there's some very interesting work that goes on you mentioned lung cancer uh, and instead of just lung cancer screening or awareness it was very much looking at those people who are most likely to get lung cancer and yeah. targeting screening at that which when you say it like that sounds blindingly obvious yeah. but to to actually go ahead and do that and to think about you know looking at the right people rather than mass screening i think that's that's another way forward for some specific areas yeah. and then there's the broader screening which is obviously a population based um, process so yeah i think you have to recognize what your area's problems are and we did a lot of work in uh, greater manchester um between the christie uh, but also um with um, with london right. um and some of the london hospitals uh, in in terms of that, and that's been that's been that's been particularly helpful in some of the work we did we did with that. Uh, I'm not involved with that now, um, but uh, I believe that's going ahead. And so it's, uh, it's 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 that's that's what we should be doing: collaborating nationally, yeah. but recognising local differences. Yeah. And as if all of that wasn't enough, you you, you do a lot of work in in medical innovation now. Um, You've taken a keen interest in that and 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 working looking at medical devices um, and incorporating tech into the healthcare space. 
tell us a little bit about your association with Helios Technologies. Yeah, we we realised um, as 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 myself and some colleagues um, were de- dealing less with um, with the the CCG and uh, uh, and the NHS in terms of, the, of of that work. That where was the future lying? And um, uh, there's lots and lots of health technologies, medical devices and things out there. And you think, well, it's logical, isn't it, that technology is the way forward in terms of how you may help various disease groups. And one of the things with Helios is that we became aware um, through a friend, actually, and uh, and colleague um, of many years, uh, Professor Sakia through Helios, of this device, uh, which is effectively a stimulator through stimulating the tongue, to stimulate um, the trigeminal nerve and then to stimulate the brain. So it enables um, the ability to have neuroplasticity to effectively enable the brain to use some of its dormant pathways um, to find new pathways um, to relearn for people, for example, who um, who have balance issues after um, traumatic brain injury, uh, which is a specific Helios thing. And so we talked to them and it was clear that they needed to understand the UK market um, and to see how it works in the UK in terms of how we might access it, how we may help people. it works very differently from in the US. And so we've done a lot of work with that and it's really exciting technology and we want to only get involved with technologies that make a difference to, to people. And, uh, and certainly the PONS device, um, there's excellent evidence that it's doing that. So we're very keen to bring it to the UK. Yeah. Some some regulatory issues at the moment and Brexit isn't helping. <laughs> but Is it helping anything? It was, it was <laughs> a lot. Who could say? Yeah. But um, so yeah, so we're hoping that we'll bring that in and that amongst other technologies, uh, I, I think is the the way forward and particularly technologies like that and devices like that that are non-invasive yeah because there are a lot of implantable devices and spinal devices and things you can have implanted into your brain for example for parkinson's disease but to have stuff that is accessible um and acceptable i think to patients but with significant efficacy is fantastic and if we can help to drive some of those things forward and from a commercial point of view obviously we want to be involved with it but from a actually products we believe that make a difference yeah. I think is where our ethics sit in terms yeah. of the company and so yeah we're looking at things like that it's it's, it's an interesting environment and yeah. we'll expand yeah brilliant and and you know you're involved with that you're also involved with Cool Baby which you can talk about in mm-hmm. a second you've got a, a product I think for dry mouth syndrome yeah um, you know, how do you find time to balance uh, doing that and, and the GP work? And, and then also tell us a bit about those products. I think the um, I think balancing the GP work is the skill is to start your surgeries very early. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so your working yeah. your working day is somewhat uh, is either fully expanded and allows space in the day, or is uh, or is compacted and uh, and allows other space. Yeah. And I am part time now. Yeah, um, which you you obviously need to be. So yeah, it's it's and it's it's driven by enthusiasm. And if you're enthusiastic to do something, you find the time, I yeah. believe. So yeah, the engagement with um, particularly with um, a company called Sallywell um, from Israel is is again uh, a medical device which stimulates the um, submandibular gland to produce saliva. Yeah, and there's a. Uh, conditions erostomia, dry mouth, um, which is very common in the population. It's about probably affects about 10% of the population, which creeps up to 25% um, plus uh, in the over 60s, 65s. Um, there's a condition called Sjogren's, which affects, well, depending on what you believe, about anything one to two percent of the population, which yeah. is you know severe dry mouth and lack of saliva can cause dental problems, gum problems. 
it's obviously inconvenient. Yeah. Uh, and there are other conditions like people who've had head and neck cancer, who've had radiotherapy, chemotherapy, yeah, yeah. who have problems with a load of other symptoms, um, other conditions as well. But this is a device which enables you to produce saliva naturally. It's natural saliva, I suppose, the sprays and gels yeah, yeah. and things that you get. And can make a huge difference to people's lives. You know, only using it for, what, five minutes, five times a day. Uh, and there's some evidence now coming through that, you know, you, you, well, not, you, you, there's almost a regeneration of salivary glands, I believe. Right. But it changes people's lives and yeah, it changes yeah. their salivary production. And it means they can talk, it means they can, they can eat, and they're yeah. not having to constantly, you know, take water all the time. And it, it improves their lifestyle. And it's, um, it's something that we're, we're, we're going to be um, um, an agent for, hopefully, in, uh, in the UK. That's, we're just about to sign contract off on that and uh, looking forward to promoting it and uh, and the evidence that we've had so far from elsewhere and also from uh, some of the product has been available for a while in the UK is that the results are fantastic and so again it's a product that we believe in yeah. and a product that we believe will make changes people's lives yeah. and it's you know and I would say wouldn't I it's, aff <laughs> it's affordable yeah. and it's um, it's accessible and yeah. it's it's convenient and and non-invasive so that's good yeah and the cool baby thing is we're not we, we're sort of at the periphery of being interested in things like that that's a good example um, and um, we're aware of it through um, the work that um, Tony Young's done um, yeah. in the Innovation Centre and Young Entrepreneurs and basically, this is a product, simple product, which is like um, a baby's bed covering, which is effectively a heat exchanger. Yeah. And so if you've got hot babies, pyrexial fever babies, um, it's effectively, not quite the way it works, sucks the heat out. Yeah. It reduces their body temperature, yeah. and that's obviously uh, very, very important uh, in managing any of these things. You don't want a pyrexial baby. And so that's a really interesting yeah. innovation. It's at its outset at the moment, and you know, and hopefully we might become involved with them. Um, but there are there are lots of products out there that are starting to come through through innovation and yeah. through things like the entrepreneurs scheme yeah. that make a difference and are actually relatively simple, but just need help to get to the market and yeah. uh, and do that. So it's uh, that's what we're interested in at the moment. Okay, brilliant. Um, just a couple of uh, last questions, but. Um, there's more understanding uh, you know, surrounding the subject of mental health than ever before. Mm -hmm. An example of positive change in attitudes towards conditions. Um, are there are there any more attitude shifts uh, towards conditions that you feel need to take place? I think one of the greatest problems I see is attitudes in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, and I think with uh, increasing pressures uh, for people in, in in their workplaces, I think that there's uh, needs to be an increased awareness of. Again, prevention, yep. support uh, to people in the workplace, and it makes sense from an employer's point of view to support people so they don't go off sick yeah. uh, with problems. And I think it's recognizing that we're all under pressure. We all, at some point in our lives, have psychological issues, and a proportion of us will have depression at some point in our lives. It's just being aware of that yeah. and trying to avoid some of the, I won't say triggers, but some of those pressures which might precipitate uh, some of those things. So I think workplace is important. I think you're right that we are far more, um, uh, I was going to say accepting, that isn't the word really, but we're far more aware and yeah. sympathetic towards uh, mental health issues now and far more aware uh, and able to treat them better. Uh, I do think we need far more psychological support within the NHS yeah. um, uh, and options for patients. Um, but yeah, I think it's moving progressively, but it's like everything. It needs, it needs 
the understanding in the workplace, which is I think is a, an absolutely um, valued investment, but also the support that goes there elsewhere in terms of recognising that you need the investment, but then we need yeah. investment everywhere, as we know. So we've talked a lot today about um, different diseases, different conditions, but we've also talked a lot about a lot of good innovations and, and new products that are coming out there. Mm -hmm. Would you say uh, there's, there's reason to be cautious or optimistic at the moment? I think you always have to be optimistic. Yeah. I think you, you do have to be optimistic. And I, I, I mean, politically, clearly there's going to be some investment. Yeah. I think it's how we invest, just chucking money and people <coughs> at these problems is, is not the answer. So I am optimistic that given that we nurture skill, that we nurture management, we don't have quick fixes, we have long-term views, and we look at doing things innovatively and progressively uh, and do it over a long period, not just three-year cycles or political cycles, and we actually stick and do something. Yeah. This is coming from me as a Tottenham supporter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to do, to do those things, I think, is important, and I think there is optimism if there is that realisation and that will to make things different. Um, and we will progress. The awful thing about the NHS is we tend to go for redesign every few years and we re reinvent yeah. the wheel and we go through a permanent cycle. And I think... So we just need to find the special one for the NHS. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Maybe you could do that instead of work for <laughs> Don't quote me. But, um, yeah, you're right, we do. Yeah. And, uh, and I think there are some very good people out there uh, and I think they need support and I think they need nurturing and I think that the the up-and-coming workforce that can make those changes needs to be nurtured and not to be in a position where they feel driven to move on every two or three years yeah, yeah. Uh, and to have some consistency and I think that consistency will make a huge difference in, in, in the NHS and in healthcare, healthcare generally I think that's uh, incredible so yes yeah. I'm positive so I'll just challenge you on that a little bit. You say you're positive. Can you tell us the three things you keep under your <laughs> desk? <laughs> yes, this is, a, this is a, a running joke, and I can imagine who's told you about that. But it's a, a thing with some of my patients, which is, which is a bit of a joke, but we talk about things when problems seem insoluble. Yeah. Uh, it's come to a point when I said, well, I've got three things under my desk, yeah. and they will, they will solve your problems. And one of them is a checkbook. Yeah. One of them is a magic wand, yeah. and the other one's a gun. Yeah. <laughs> and I have patients now that come in, they go, oh, I think it's the gun. <laughs> 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 It's, it's, it's good to have that relationship it with your patients and they, they, they understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for your time today. It's been great talking to you. Pleasure. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening to that and I hope you uh, come back and join us next week for our next edition. Thank you. Thank you.